Ooh, that looks tasty. Welcome, folks. Today, the Hunger Gamer is back with another episode of Boards and Brews. And today, I am joined by Michael Walker, who is one half of So Very Wrong About Games. And I can only assume he is about and wrong of that combination. I'm not sure. And I am... I'm actually really excited about this. This is one of the podcasts that I actually listen to almost every week, which is. But well, we've been hitting almost every week. It's been it's like been over a year now that we've been going every week without missing. It's like a pandemic thing, I guess, right? Yeah, and it's been interesting to listen as the pandemic's been been going on. You can see as a as you guys drop into despair of playing only online games, you can you can hear it. And yes, then there was a brief moment of real gaming, and we were all we all hated you here in the states. But now you're back with us. That's right. Back in the lockdown. The single tier falls down and we don't get to play anymore. But before we jump in, we have to start out with what is your brewed beverage you have with you tonight? Well, I'm not a big alcohol drinker, so I have my coffee, which is just a standard Canadian caribou coffee. And I have a uh, local San Francisco brewery, uh, Fort Point with a one I haven't tried before, their Nuremberg-inspired red ale. Very nice. And red ale. We'll see. I haven't tried before. Um, but let's jump right in. So the rapid-fire questions, are you ready? They're very I'm, rapid. I'm ready. Who the crap are you? What is your channel? What is your shtick? And how and why did you get into this reviewer game? All right. Well, my name is Michael Walker. Like you said, I am one quarter of the team of So Very Wrong About Games. We do, our channel is the fact that we have, uh, we have podcasts every week. We are also starting to do some Twitch live streaming stuff. And I do some live unboxing stuff because uh, editing is for the chumpos. And it's like, well, it is like, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's this constant editing. I said, well, I like doing unboxings, but how can I get away with, well, I'll just Facebook live it and then I'll just send it out there and won't ever have to worry about it again. Not enough time. And our stick. Well, people lately have been throwing the word critic at us, you know, instead of being reviewer, I just say whatever. Um, our main stick is we review games and we want to know what does this game bring to our community that's not there already. Like bring us something new. Don't just repeat the same thing. Show us that you've brought something new to the table. Why can't we just play this other game instead that we know is good instead of throwing away yet even more money into this hobby. And uh, how, how and why did you, did you get roped into that? I'm, now I'm assuming that your partner in crime roped you into this. No, it's it, unfortunately for him, it was the other way around. I was going to say, when I saw this, how did I get into it? I was going, gee, how long is this show? Because this could run long. So I'll try to give the the very brief of it. So As long as you come in shorter than Wagner's ring cycle, we're okay. So uh, quite a while ago, some stuff happened that gave me a whole bunch of free time suddenly. So I did a bunch of videos for the Dice Tower. And then, uh, like you said, the editing process and everything, especially back then, was very arduous and painful. And Mark, that's back fact, when it was film, and you had to actually cut the film. And that's then, right. Well, yeah. we were doing some some stone etching too, and then you try to flip book stones, and it, it just doesn't work. It was it was very, very painful. You can't do that as you get older. It's too heavy. Exactly. It's a lot of work sharpening the chisels. And Mark just got off of doing I almost at the exact same time stopped doing his videos as well for the same reason, and. Uh, then 
I proposed this idea to him and then I had a, what was supposed to be a two week trip turned into a six month, 15 country world tour where I got to visit, you know, gaming stores and gaming communities all across the place. And I got all these ideas and I kept in touch with Mark while I was away. And when we got back, we started this thing called So Very Wrong About Games. And it was mostly just, you know, when you're done a whole gaming night and you just start sitting around, you chit chat about the game. And, and sometimes that's either even not as good or just as good as the game was. And I just wanted to like continue that feeling on and sort of add to the community. I mean, give something back to thing. I think with like over, you know, like 30 years of board game experience, you know, I can give something back and help people with their purchase dollar power. See, that wasn't so bad. That was quick. It was quick. Now, and so the podcast though has been going for three years? Three years now, yeah. Three, three years. And uh, uh, did you know offhand how many episodes? No. See, that's, yeah, that's something that we don't treat. The, the only thing that Mark tells me or that I really keep track of is I, I dislike going on and on about Patreons or any type of funding. So we decided that only every five episodes we're going to talk about it. So he'll say this is a, a denomination of five. So we have to bring up the fact that we have a Patreon. I said, okay, say fine during the news we'll say something briefly so that's all i know i think we're up around to 160 159 somewhere up there so we're good we're jumping right on in and uh i actually when i first started this i did not have this segment at the top and some people actually said to me well you know so very wrong about games talks about what they are playing first yeah, I, so I you know, need I, to do that too i'm surprised I, I i thought i sent you the memo i said this is the podcast outline follow it or the guild will be on you and i guess you know they put on the pressure i that's yeah. the way well, it's done you know I, I, there, there's actually a plane going overhead right now i can only assume that that is just arriving from canada right now that's right it's the, the canadian podcast guild we're very yeah, particular I, on how these things run as i'm looking there's actually a, a mountie on the horse both parachuting down right now it's yeah well it's very majestic it, it's do you see that's about what 30 canadian geese it needs to carry that across you know it's a pretty heavy weight carrying those two or, or three african sparrows there you go hey everybody future hungry gamer here and just a couple of things one we're gonna promise that we're gonna talk about what it is that we think makes you the biggest butt nugget in social media in the board game industry and we totally forget to do it we actually talked about it after i stopped recording so i'm going to let you know and i'm going to drop in later on what it was that we talked about because we actually both lined up and said the exact same thing the other thing is at the beginning of this video you are going to hear a significant amount of background noise that's coming off of my end there wound up being some yard work going on nearby it was actually supposed to happen the day before we recorded it didn't happen i had no idea it was going to be going on and well when you get someone who's as big a deal as walker is you only get one crack so we just worked through it hopefully it's not too distracting and i'm going to go through and edit out anything that's just ridiculous so sorry about that what we played this week and what we got on the table yeah so that that might be different like what have you been playing but what is if you have something on the table, what's literally there right now? I do have now? some stuff ready because this is a board game arena game that came in. It's called, this is a dinosaur tea party. So I went that by- That is not the, even open yet. Look at I that. I know. Well, I went by our local gaming store today because, you know, the pandemic slightly eased up here. So I said, okay, time to go because I'm tired of, I like making sure we spread the wealth around. 
So enough buying online, went down there and got some stuff. And we played that a bunch on Board Game Arena. It's like, uh, I guess who, you know, that when you're a kid, you played guess who, you know, do you have glasses? Is your, you know, do you have- Or if you're smart, are you a boy or a girl is what you start with and guess who? True. Well, it was 50-50 back then. Was it? I think so. Uh, there was a big, if you go to our guild, there was this huge uh, thread talking about it. And there was something about uh, boys versus girls. But this one, you get to be dinosaurs at a tea party. And you get to ask if you have teeth or are you eating cake or drinking tea. And it is a fantastic little game. And the other one I picked up was, uh, it's just being supported so uh, sorry, well. I'm going to pause you one second because something huge just slammed into my window. Ooh. One moment. No problem. There, it's uh, young young kids doing the the weed whacking, and he turned. He's like, "I did that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is not the power of Michael Walker. <laughs> so, pe people who, who who are watching, if you saw me jump, that was uh, me being afraid of a noise. I have no idea what we were talking about. I just ta finished talking about dinosaur tea party. Ah, uh, yes, dinosaur tea party. Yes, yes, yes. And so that that's uh, uh now have you is that what you've been playing right now or just what what's what we you did, got? Well, I, I've been we've been playing it on uh, Board Game Arena. They had, they just brought that on you know a few weeks ago. And I, when I saw it at the store, I said, okay, well, this got to play this in real life because it's it is hilarious fun. Yeah. And uh, so for uh, uh, what I've been playing lately is I don't and I don't play a ton of digital games um, just for for kicks, you know, but. Uh, just recently, I've been playing the new Root Factions on Tabletop uh, Simulator that they're just kickstarting right now. A buddy of mine is his favorite, well, one of his favorite games. He's like, he got all he got all hot and bothered because he backed the Kickstarter. And now he's all excited, so he got got me to come on and try the uh, the Warlords and the the Badgers. They're good fun. The uh, mostly because the 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 Warlords are almost pure chaos. You literally set fire to the forest. And the fire just spreads everywhere and burns everything that's not you, which is really, you know, uh, the, the way to go, I think. Friendly um, woodland creatures burning. That's Yeah, so we've been doing, a, a, I've been playing a lot of that lately. And actually, uh, in person, I've been playing a bit of Imperial Spells and Steam with, uh, uh, with my wife. She's a big, big fan of that one, um, which I, I think you guys yeah, enjoyed. Yeah, we just finished on. talking about that recently. It was really good. Yeah, the uh, and so actually one of my favorite things about listening to you guys is I usually don't agree, which is great. And so usually it'll be you guys just rip something like I got to check that game out, like that. That is a that is a game for me. Oh, well, that's what we're hoping, right? Because we know that that's the fact. And some people we want. That's why I think one of the main points of podcasting is just being consistent. Because whether people agree with you or not, if you're consistent about it, then they'll know when you don't like something that it might be something they do like. Yeah, and actually, and it's one of the things that I like is that usually you know, the, the the clarity of why you guys like it or don't makes it super clear to me if it's something that I'll enjoy. But in one of the rare crossovers, you guys liked Imperial Spells and Steam, and what actually what really sold me on it was i think it was uh bigney who said and then when there's a problem magic i was like that that is that is the answer because if i'm frustrated just let me wave my, my little hands boom and i'm there and so uh, uh that it's my wife will play games with me and but i gotta pick and choose what i'm gonna put down because she's she's not obsessed like like, like i am and that this is one that she really likes like she actually said and this is like living 
the, the married dream. She actually said, when I was going to put it away, hey, why don't you just leave that one out for a few more days? We'll, we'll come back to that one. So those are the ones that, that, that I've, been, I've been playing lately. And so what, what do you got on your table right now? What's on the table right now is Warhammer Underworlds. I'm trying to get Mark to get back into this. This is the newest one that came out, Dire Chasm. And it's, I'm having a hard time figuring out what cards that we're allowed to play with and what cards we're not allowed to play with. This oh, is, so you're going by like the, the tournament rules? Well, or well, that's what we're trying to decide. I haven't you know, got a, the full call back from him. I think we're just going to go with play with, what, with whatever because we're not like super competitive about it anyway. It's just, it's just they've got quite a few sets out recently. And it's just such a solid skirmish game, right? It's this combination between you know, outflanking and maneuvering people on the board and card play and, and very light deck building. That's the key. You don't have to, you know, go through millions of cards and, and have multiples of cards. It's usually just one of every card that you need and set numbers and, and away you go. It's very interesting, very fast. I love yeah, it. The, um, my, my, my brother's a big fan of uh, that, that style of game. Uh, he really enjoyed the um, Shade Spire, which I think is similar to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's the it's all underworlds, right? So, Shade Spire Underworlds was the first set. I thought the game was going to be called Shade Spire, and then the Underworlds part would change with the different expansions. But oh, so it's, so it's the same game. They just, just the same still, game. Still, still yeah, milking the cow. That's right. Just different expansions. Tons out now, right? Yeah, because this was uh three four years ago that 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 he was playing it, and he tried to get get me into it, and he was really good at it, and I was like, oh, I don't want to yeah. lose again. Well, template. I like the template because it's much different than X-wing. Because in X-wing, if you need a particular card, then you have to buy ships and stuff that you might not particularly need, right? And with this, if there's certain cards, and you just have to buy a faction, and then you're you're definitely going to try that faction out, or your opponent gets to try that faction out, and then at least it's something you're always going to use, as opposed to right. the X-wing way go way to go. Yeah. So ah, okay, and so what do I have on my table right now? And this is interesting because I'm actually recording. We're recording this episode only about four or five days after the last episode so i actually got the same game still on my table because i'm working on a preview for this game called monuments and you can see a very high-tech prototype here with oh the, look at that the the uh, is that a Catan expansion oh no wait yeah, it, it apparently <laughs> Catan pokemons into monuments is how that works which is a civilization game where you're trying to build your gigantic wonder of the world. So like uh, the, the Greeks, if they finish the Colossus of Rhodes, that's the end game. And the, it actually comes where the minis, the little miniatures are Lords of Hellas style. They, they stack up and you build them in five different pieces. Gotcha. Which is a very neat, uh, neat toy to have. The same thing with the Lords of Hellas. It's a very neat toy. I don't, I don't know that you need it. But it looks wonderful. Yeah, and you know, I'm also the same guy that knows 100% that in Dwellings of Elderville, I do not need those bases that make noise. But you try and pry them from my cold, dead hands. <laughs> right. I don't know. I'm still waiting. That's uh, the other thing that's been terrible in Canada. I'm still waiting for... We played it with Tabletop Simulator. So we're still waiting for Dune Imperium. We haven't seen any yet. We haven't seen Dwellings of Elderville yet either. So we're still waiting on 2020 games. Never mind 2021 games. Wow. I mean, I, you guys talk about how hard it is to get your stuff in Canada, but that's that's a long time. Yeah, it wasn't that way. This is something that's happened recently. Like just uh, just a couple of years ago, we were still getting Kickstarter sometimes two weeks ahead of other people, right? And then some, something suddenly switched and now everything goes to the States. And then when they get around to it, after all of you know the US stuff goes out, then they send the truck to Canada and then we get our stuff. 
I mean, did you guys do did, do a do a Brexit that you that you didn't know about? Well, so uh, I, I've played Dune, Dune Imperium a, a few times, and I'd say it's it's good, not great. That's it's it's fine. Yeah. Well, well you know, <laughs> the level of malice behind that fine <laughs> <laughs> was pretty was pretty big. Uh, you know, uh, for me, I'm not a huge Dune fan. Like I went back and I, I read the first couple of books before it got really weird in the past five, six months or so, you know, with the movie and stuff, everyone's all hyped about Dune. I was like, all right. Um, but you might as well theme that truck drivers and like it. Uh, yeah, I suppose it does have a little bit. I like, I like how the, you know, that has the sort of the clank it's a deck builder, but you know, there are sort of color coordinated it has that sort of clank feel where you can sort of, you know, I don't know too much about the books, but it looks as though they did a little bit of effort to make the ability of those colors sort of coincide with, you know, the different houses. So there is a little bit there, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, not, not, well, I'm going to complain about it on a, on a podcast. That's but, right. Exactly. How dare uh, you? Yeah, a little bit. It, I mean, it's fun. It, it's fun. The hard, hardest thing I thought for me was uh, I drafted some cards that I never got to use. Yeah, that's always a pain in games. I like I like the new the new line of games that are coming out that you you know put it right into your hand or right onto the top of your deck and you're instantly right in the game with your new cards. So that's definitely the way to go. Yeah, I, I like them when if I'm deck building, I want to shuffle through my stuff six seven times. You know, let me let me let me cycle through, or, 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 or that'll kind of be a choice that I had where I can play that game. I'm just going to burn my stuff as fast as I can to to go through and get those wacky combos that are completely unfair and game breaking, right? don't play aquatica then because you don't even get to go through your deck once in that game it's like over before you set it up oh yeah yeah you heard you guys guys talking about that uh that it's uh, well it's streamlined you you know it definitely is that you know just uh, if they'd gone a little further it would be open the box now close it (laughs) there you go and game i mean it's perfect right just they can just kickstart a really then they can kickstart a deluxe box that uh uh, you know nice and hinges it'd be fantastic i love the idea but Moving through. So we're doing a bit of a grab bag this week, mostly because uh, Walker had a lot of ideas and they were all good ideas. And so we're just going to try and we're going to try and talk about all of them. And we're so we're, we're going to be talking about the, the role of the reviewer in, in the crowdfunding world, the resurgence of Asmodee, owning everything everyone loves. And how hard can it possibly be to write a rule book followed by what is the most obvious way to out yourself as a butt nugget on social media? In, <laughs> in the board game in the board game world there's probably different ways in other in other industries that work but so we'll jump in we're gonna start with the crowdfunding because that has been overall i would i would say it's been it's been good for the board game world when it comes to growth new things people experimenting your uh, everyone's favorite word deluxified stuff and um, yeah i can say that now Deluxified. Yeah. I mean, do you want to say it a few times just to uh, deluxified? And I'll uh, uh, I'll cut that out and I'll put it on a loop for you, and I'll, I'll send you that audio. Good stuff. Yeah, but clearly, like everything, Kickstarter's got its own little seedy underbelly of of, of dark and gross. So gross. You guys don't do previews for for games. I obviously do. It started out being my bread and butter. I've pulled back significantly now. But do you stay away from doing previews? Well, why do you stay away? I don't want to put put an idea in your head. Why do you guys stay away from doing previews? 
Well, mostly just because it's not sort of our policy. I, I don't know what we had from the beginning, but just least recently we've adopted this policy. We're rolling in a review games that people can actually get. We have, and mostly because we had to adopt a policy because of COVID and playing a lot of games online, digital versions. So we can only play if it's an endorsed by the company and or we have a physical copy of the game. And we just want to have it so that's it's what people can actually buy. And if it's a designer we know or something like that, and the rules are definitely 100% finalized and the game is in production, then sometimes we might make an exception, but we're pretty well trying to just lock down on games that people can get now. Yeah, so so in other words, so if I can't go right now and hit buy, then you're not going to do it. Usually that's what I, I do. I, I want to go in here. I want to you know, do an official apology because for quite a while now, I've just never watched uh, Kickstarter videos, right? Because uh, they've just been sort of like hype videos all the time. And then I, I, I've seen a bunch of years come up recently and I just ac- dismiss them offhand as the same. So I apologize for that. I have gone back now and watched them and, and see that they are actual reviews, unlike these other ones, not all of them. And uh, uh I, I apologize for that. That is some good content. Oh, thank you. Th- th- thank you very much. But uh, that's a, I'm glad you said that because that's actually the perfect segue into kind of what the, the big thing is. And a lot of people will feel like you about it is if you're doing those, are you just a hype man or hype woman? And I think for me, the reason I keep doing them and the reason why sometimes designers and publishers get mad at me is I still look at it like it is not a finished product, because I'm very clear, you know, hey, this this is going to change. And every now and then I'll get someone who say, you know what, that's a really good point. We're going to fix that, which is always awesome. And I think you do know this is me talking, right? You sure yes. you want to yes. you sure you want to hang your hat on my on what I'm saying? But there, there are a lot of uh, channels out there that their preview content is paid content. And to me, that makes you a commercial. Now, that's fine. Like, we need commercials because how else are you going to, you know, that, that's great. And you can hype and be excited. But for me, the way I try to stay away from just becoming hype is I'm going to tell you what I think the issues are and why you might not like it. And, you know, you can like it or lump it from there. But then it, it, I think it allows people to go in and with that perspective. Okay, this is, so, you know, Hunger Gamer called out the, I just posted a review of Elder Bale today, the, the dice combat, right? That's going to make you like or not like the game. So go look at it and see what does that bother you? Because in my mind, like with Elder Bell, if you don't mind the dice combat, you're going to really like the game. That's right. If you don't like that swinginess, you're not going to like the game. Agreed. And so, so for, for me, I, I think that's kind of where the, the, the line gets uh, drawn. Now, with that said, the question kind of becomes, is hype bad overall in your, in your mind? Are these hype videos, do you find any value in them? No, well, like I said, I've just stopped watching them. And I think as long as they're as they're advertised as being much, like this is a paid preview. And I've seen that being used, thankfully, a lot more than usual. Usually it was, here's our review of this game. And now they're actually being called previews, which is fine. You know, if you want a preview, because then you know that this is what it is. It's a hype. We're going to show you you know, how it looks and how it plays and, and play to its strengths and try to, you know, boost the sales of this game because that's what we're being paid to do. And there's a big, actually, uh, argument, ar- yeah, argument amongst uh, the, the, the unwashed masses like me who do these uh, previews of, should you even be talking about your opinions on what's good and what's 
not so good in a preview. And I'm always on the side, well, yeah, like what, why else am I going to watch that? Like I'll go watch Rodney Smith's how to play or if that's all I care about. But a lot of people stand by, no, no, no. Preview should only be, this is how the game, what the mechanics and stuff are. And for me, I'm like, well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need that nonsense. Like, No, plus how are you going to stand out from everybody else, right? How are you going to put your spin on this show? Like how, and the other thing is, how are you going to feel at the end of the day about this content? Like once it goes out there, are you just going to say, you know, well, I don't feel quite right how I said that. Or, you know, people might not understand you know how I feel about this game if I don't get to explain exactly what I meant. Yeah, um, you know, I, I try to use a funny hat every now and then. Oh, there you go. Um, well, I mean, what one of my favorites was for a uh, uh, Kingdom Rush, their latest one. I, I I said something wrong, and the lovely gentleman who's their marketing guy said, "Is there any way you can fix this? Because you you said this word, and that word means this, and that's actually one hundred percent wrong." I was like, "Oh, <laughs> whoops!" So I did a little insert. And I put on a, because it was from the future, so I had my little tinfoil ah, hat. Exactly. And was able to, to reference, I don't know if you ever remember that show, Ancient Aliens, the guy with the huge hair. Yes. Who, you know, everything was aliens. I got yes. to reference him. It was fantastic. And it was a funny hat. I don't know if anybody paid attention to anything in the video, but. I'm, I'm backing that Kingdom Rush thanks to you. So thanks for that. You are welcome. And make sure you have your uh, tinfoil hat ready to go. Side note, so I actually, this is a total tangent, I actually, because I was when I was making this, I was like, okay, well, I got, I'm going to do this right. Like, how do you actually make the alien brainwave protecting tinfoil hat? And so I went on YouTube, and there's there's many videos. Oh, my Lord. I don't there even are. want to go down that rabbit hole. That would be amazingly awesome, but painful there's so many. Time. But what I found, so one, you have to take the shinier side. That goes inside, because you want your brainwaves to bounce back in. Wow. I wonder if that makes you smarter. Like uh, well, like double up on your brain power. Well, this is doubled. We got. <laughs> and the other thing is, you got to make sure it doesn't cover your ears. I see. So you can actually hear the aliens coming if they're just in your house. Yes. And that is all the science to making a tinfoil hat. I, I, I feel like that's probably a very, a very American thing, the tinfoil hats. I'm sure you guys don't get that up there. Hey, it's too cold for aliens up here. You know, that, that boy, that, that is the truth. I was at a uh, Shakespeare convention at Stratford at, uh, well, in Stratford. And a good friend of mine who lives, lives in Toronto, we were rooming together. He used to run a Shakespeare company outside of Toronto. And he said, you know, and he's from Canada. He's like, oh, it's not bad today. Let's just walk. And it was late January. And it was so, I almost <laughs> cried because he didn't even put on a hat. He just went full Canada. He's like, oh, no, I, I just have a cup of coffee. I'll be fine. And I got there. And he literally said, what's wrong? I was like, I hate you. I hate you, I hate so, you much. so much. <laughs> it, it, I, I don't. My wife has said she refuses to go visit him unless it is the summer. Yeah, it is the best time to come to Canada for sure. It's, uh, it, it, I don't know how you guys, that's why you play board games because it is so. We get to hide, hide in our igloos and play board games. <laughs> I just want to go back to reason why we don't do previews as, as well is uh, because uh, some of the Purdue, uh, some of the distributors and the designers know us, so they don't they don't let us do previews. If they've seen our content, then why would you let us do a preview of your game? Well, that the, that is true because I gotta say, sometimes I listen. I'm like, okay, boy, they really hated that game, and then you end with, and I like it. And I, I'm thinking about uh, most of the title blades because I listened to you guys talk about that. I was like, man, they really don't like this. And then you think, yeah, but I enjoyed it. I'd like to play again. 
I kept it. I kept it. Same, well, same thing sort of with Sentinels of the Multiverse. It's like the game that shouldn't work, right? There's just so much there and so many things going on and so many things that just make it, you know, not work, but it's just such a joy to play. Yeah, are you guys going to be uh, uh, diving into the new Sentinels? Unless they send, unless, I'm not sure how Mark's going to do it. So unless they send us a new one, then. You, you, you say it, but there'll be that second expansion and then suddenly you're going to just be twitching. <laughs> Well, I don't think there'll be anything new in the expansions. We'll see, though. Yeah. And I'm happy to say that uh, something just fell down on your wall behind yeah, you. Yeah, I know. So, I uh, saw that. As good. I looked in the picture. I said, good. They were both having... It's this thing. It's this high-tech, you know, audio dampening stuff. It was not supposed to be until tomorrow. And then it came in today, and I got all excited, even though it says, you know, wait 24 hours. I said, well, I got this thing today. I should put it up. We're totally pro. Yeah, you right. know, this is going to be the... Uh, the shortest episode with the longest yep. filming time. Yeah. But I appreciate you making something in your place break to make me feel better. That's right. It's problems on both All ends. All right. Yeah. So, so other other Kickstarter things that make you shake your head. I, I'm going to start with, and I don't mind calling them out because they're never sending me anything, is come on. And I don't have a problem with introducing new new stuff into a game and I don't even have a problem with Kickstarter exclusives. Like I don't have, I'm fine. I have no problem with that. But what I do have a problem with is you back a, one of their things and it's $90. Okay. Well, okay. That's okay. Then by the end of the campaign, the, the all in pledge is $784 and your dog. Well, that being said, the Kingdom Rush one is getting there because now it's got, what, two expansions that you can add and now you can get the big box and so now we're up to 250 for your Kingdom Rush Rush complete set. So it's not only Simon that does it. Yeah, so I don't, I don't like those when the stretch goals, you have to buy them. I don't like that as much, you know. Well, um, with, well, with come on, it is a bit different, right? Because they do have thousands of stretch goals on top of, you know, their additions. So they they do have, you know, they do sort of balance it out. But there, you're right, there are places, like Queen Games is the worst for it, where it's like, you know, here's our product big box of yet another game. And then now here we'll open up the catalog to the rest of our games because this is our, you know, buying platform now. Yeah, yeah I think it was a... a Come on, just I'm going to say they found themselves in hot water because they didn't really. Just a few people complained, but that they, they took um, a lot of uh, it was hate. That's what it was. It was hate, which was supposed to be you know only on Kickstarter forever for people listening. I'm air quoting very big here, which you know, uh, and then that they put it out. And boy, people were mad, like really, really upset. And uh, uh, which side of the fence were you on with that? Oh, I didn't. I don't mind it so much. I I thought it was a, a not a great game, but a decent game. Lots of theme. All the miniatures looked interesting. I'm not all for this, you know, soul content. Only get it in one place. They only brought it in for the for the time machine, and I think that was the time machine thing was just to get rid of all of their stock anyway. I don't think they produced any more hate content in order to fulfill the time machine. I think all the hate stuff disappeared almost immediately as well, as well as all the other stuff. It was just like, we have this extra stock, let's get rid of it. So I don't think, I think that's how maybe they use the workaround to allow them to do it was that they actually didn't any produce any more hate. It was the same hate, just getting it off their shelves. They're just tired of the hate. Yeah, so much hate. Waiting for the sequel, love, right? It's true. I, I, I have some other points, but I, would, I do want to, I want to hit this other one before I forget, and that is thing I talked about before because you do a lot of preview videos and I know it happened before and there's two things that happen in Kickstarter that I'm always weary of like say you because you make the video well before it starts 
and you only see usually the base game and maybe some of the, maybe some of the stretch goals. I don't know. So you've made the video, it comes out, and then suddenly there's either a stretch goal or an expansion that goes against some sort of moral principle that you have or goes off to something being incredibly offensive. And now you've got your video tied to it. Like what what can you do with that? I think I mean, luckily for 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 me, well, the first part of it is often they'll send it and they'll, they'll give us a heads up of what stretch goals might be. And sometimes we even wind up uh, with prototypes of those stretch goals and they'll just be, they'll say, oh, you know, maybe talk about it, but maybe don't film with this, you know, because, but you can you know, mention it or, or whatever. So sometimes we have an idea of what's coming. As to the other part of it, that's only happened once where uh, we had done, I wrote an article for, um, a new board game digital magazine or whatever it was. And then a few weeks after that was published and I you know, promoted it and everything, some pretty nasty fallout came around uh, with uh, out of the Black Lives Matter movement when pretty much all the channels were coming out and you know, either saying, hey, you know, this is not okay. We stand with Black Lives Matter or they weren't or you know, whatever it was. But it came out that a whole bunch of their writers quit because the dude in charge was like absolutely under no circumstances are we going to talk about this at all and that came out it was really messy and so what i did was i went back and at the beginning of the article it now says uh this was for geek hq but also you know hungry gamer said you know very clearly we we stand with black lives matters this has happened here and because of that i am no longer recommending checking this out because i do not believe in that but i left it up i didn't take it down Gotcha. But because that's a written media, it was very easy for me to do that. I think if it was a video, I'd probably pull it. I'd probably. You, just pull, oh, you have that power. Like I'm not sure how Kickstarter works. Like you have the power to pull it. Oh yeah, well because I'm not paid. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if uh, uh, I was paid for it, then that's a different story. So like with uh, the how to play videos I do, those I would I would have to leave those up. I don't know what I would do do, do then. I guess I would probably. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's such a small percentage. It's just something that was at the back of my brain all the time. I'm just wondering like how that procedure worked. Yeah, I mean, the, I, you know, I think it feels, feels really bad. I think what I would probably do is I might return the money and pull the video. You know, that's, uh, I mean, luckily I'm not getting paid so much money that that's like a serious hardship. Uh, but yeah, that's, but I, I think that also kind of swings through to, I mean, that could be anything, right? Like um, with uh, uh, Tashini lately, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do any more of his games right now until, you know, maybe in the future, you know, we'll see where his yeah. apology and his uh, uh, redemption journey is. But I had actually just posted a Sulkin video two days before that hit. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a tough question because so often the big thing that, that people will say is, well, get your politics out of my games. It's very, very, very uh, prominent. Like when I did a, I made a comment about the lack of racial diversity and alter quest amongst well, all of it, which I thought was a shame because usually Blacklist is a pretty good job of having diversity in their games. But in this one, either you were white or a monster, literally a monster. And I said, that's a shame. And boy, I have more comments on that. Oh, I've deleted them, but more comments on that video. Of, get your politics out of my game. Why are you trying to make me? I'm like, look, I'm not trying to make you do anything. Yeah, the problem yeah. is that the politics is not just in the game. The politics is everywhere. And if we just let it go in games and it becomes, that's what we're saying. That's what I said in the last 
time we talked about it. it's like we're not here to judge or or pass judgment on anyone we're here to make sure that these issues are, we shed light on these issues right and and show that this is happening everywhere it's not like oh i've never seen it or oh this doesn't happen in my gaming group it, it's happening and we need to bring it to light and show people that you know we need to change as a society things are changing and we need to you know make sure our gaming community is accepting to all these people yeah and i think you know and it's not uh, don't you dare play this like you do you yeah. you know i'm just here with my tiny little voice so i'm just gonna say hey as not really let's do better and and, uh, and i think but like so let's say because i'm I know the people blacklist a little bit. And so I can't imagine this wouldn't happen if they came out and said, yeah, you know what? All of our people are going to be white from now on. That's our policy. Like if they came out and said something like that, then maybe I said, well, well okay, it's time to, yeah, <laughs> it's time to back off of this. Everybody I'm out. If you would like to buy my copy of Alter Quest, very cheap. I will send it to you. Come pick it up. More stuff just fell behind you. Um, Let's leave it. Um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but thank you, I don't think it happens that that often, and hopefully it'll be happening even less as we move forward. As the the I guess kind of the, the old guard moves out to make way yeah. for the the other super minor part is that you you've gotten Kickstarter uh, updates right, and then at the end of the email it tells you a bunch of other games that you should check out, and thereby slightly associating those games with that project. I just thought that was a little odd as well. Yeah, I wonder. Is that a Kickstarter thing? Yes. You think Kickstarter pretty, just adds them in? That's right. That's what I think it is. I don't want to say because I'm not 100%, but I just always thought that was odd, you know, associating some projects with other projects without permission and just sort of saying, well, if you like this game, we're going to auto-generate these other games and sort of add it to that page and sort of associate them together. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll have to, next time I'm chatting with some of the people I know who've done them, i ask if that is something that they have any control over. It's just a Kickstarter once, once, once more dollar bills. All right, some more gross stuff from Kickstarter. The fact that everything has to have a solo mode. Everything has to have a campaign system. Everything has to have a legacy element. And they have to worry about stretch goals. So all of this stuff is added. And sometimes I'm wondering if it's taken away because a lot of times the rules aren't finalized. They're still sort of working things out. And then uh, because there's backers and they have every right to say that we want something, and maybe they had no plans on doing that whatsoever. And now suddenly uh, they're being diverted away from the main rules to pick up all of these side projects. The project's doing better than expected. So now they have to come up with stretch goals and or expansions. And then the main rule book doesn't get as big of a shine as it should. Yeah, I think actually we, I was just talking with um, Peter Vaughn from formerly of Breaking Games, now Cardboard Alchemy, about how when you're go going into making a Kickstarter nowadays, you just, you have to have a solo mode ready to go because it's such a big part of the gaming community now. Just, you, you have to have it. And I think, I, I think you're right. The problem becomes when someone goes in and they don't have it, which to me is fine. Like not every game needs a solo mode, but then they hear the complaints and it gets loud enough to them to where they feel like they have to shoehorn one in. And I think not being able to stand your guns and say, you know, no, this is not a game. Checkers does not need a solo mode. That's right. You just don't need it. I'm not going to do it. I think that that's when when they get get into to trouble. And the same thing I feel like happens a lot of times with stretch goals because then they start adding new mechanics, and they either they haven't play tested them, and you get some hot garbage shows up, 
or which is probably better in my opinion, it delays three months, six months, three years. I don't know what the longest you ever waited for one is. Oh, let's talk about the. I had that on the on the end here. I've got I've just with the last few actually. I'm not like flexing or anything, but I got the email the other day. I am now a super backer. Oh, you I should know, flex right? on that. That's, That's how many Kickstarters that I do. And I've only ever had one bad one. It was a huge one. like, And it was a Canadian company. They were going to make this thing called, uh, I don't know, should I say the actual name? I'll say the actual name anyway. No one's watching this. Go for it. It, it's, it was called The Lazy Gamer. And we did sort of a short segment on a show once. And we said that, I don't know, maybe you've witnessed as well, if you're playing like a area control game or a risk type game, people always just sort of clump to what they can reach, right? over to their like little area. So what this did is gave you this big uh, gaming surface and it was on a lazy Susan. So you could spin it around. And, and I was tempt, I was interested on, you know, seeing if they could, you know, if doing some tests to see if this would break this sort of like, you know, you know, and it, I think it would help with some other games too, you know, but uh, yeah, it just, the guy, uh, it was too much for him. Right. It was just, it, it got too popular, too much. He, it looks as though he like he laser etched all the boards. It looked like he had a lot of the work done, but none of them were actually put together and it just, it never got completed. And it, it leads to a little bit of source of entertainment because like every six months or so, I'll go to the comment section and just have a, a nice read about all the very pleasant comments and how they're very supportive of all the problems he's having. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, did, did he not know that a lazy Susan already existed? Yeah. Yeah, I oh, mean, like a lazy Susan table. I've never seen one. If the, oh, if the, oh, the, one. the whole table was a lazy yeah. Susan. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put this whole thing down as a whole surface, and you'd put it on top of your table, and the whole thing would turn. You could oh, pick colors and etching, and it had this leather. Oh, they looked marvelous. But yeah, someday, digitally Don't be worried. marvelous. Well, one day, you, you know, you're going to be in the retirement home, <laughs> and then it's one thing show up. And the one project that they said it's it's the boat has arrived is uh, Siege of the Citadel by you know Morpheus. You remember the the old uh, Siege of the Citadel game? Mm -hmm. It was like one of these where you had uh, it was very it was in the mass market, and you know you had these corporations, and they went in and you rolled special dice, and it was nice and easy hits and big easy goal, and you know it was a troops on a map type game. And then they they they've re redone it, but this is now year five. I think we're going into. And that was the funny part is, is that you could pay extra for split shipping. And this is back when Mark and I didn't like sort of match up our Kickstarters. We we're actually kickstarting the same thing. Now we've stopped doing that. But anyway, so we both backed this. I paid for the split shipping. I got the base game like three years ago. And I'm now going to get the expansions, you know, two years after that. It is, it's ridiculous. Well, it'll be very exciting when you get it. <laughs> I'm sure some people, yeah, that's another fun place to go for interesting comments. Yeah, the uh, well, for for, for me, I, I I was in the Golden Bell Kickstarter, so there's your there's your interesting comments. But uh, the, the other that's funny brings up uh, I don't want to slag off this other company because I don't want people to start coming coming after me. But there's another a friend of mine. He's in a one of those big mini heavy troops on a map style games, bazillions of races and stuff that you're playing, and they have a propensity to sometimes before the first one's even fulfilled to run another, the second edition of the first of the same game or give bonuses to the second group of backers that the first backers now get to go pay for. Yeah. Um, that, that's, the, that's the other style thing that, that I hear coming up a lot that people are upset about. But to me, it sounds like really the issues are not 
with necessarily Kickstarter itself, but like the CD underbelly is some of the power players and what they're choosing to do. Oh yeah. I, right? I think, I think, yeah, I think I'd have to do the exact opposite. I'm ha- well, I like, I don't read too much about what they do, but from what I hear, uh, Kickstarter is doing a great job. Like for one, I think one, I think, I think, I don't want to say that I know one of the rules is that you can't run the same Kickstarter. So these people that are doing the, you know, second editions, they have to make sure it's like a li- almost completely different, like not only second edition, but you know, also some, also some other content. And the other thing that they're doing is that they're making some companies wait until they've actually fulfilled that before they're even allowed to start another one. Yeah, that's a boy that that that's a controversial one because it's um and I don't know how I feel, but on, on the one hand, I feel like well I, I get it because they do that. They enforce that very, very strongly with, you know, like you and me. If, if, if we put the uh, Walker Brown game company first game up, they would not let us put up a second one. But, you know, uh, I mean, h- how many games does come on how out there not, you know, fulfilled yet? True. They have a history, though, right? So I yeah, think you, you yeah. should be able to make some exceptions, even though I'm, I'm against exceptions and you need a, pol- a blanket policy, but you just need to know that, you know. And, and some of these companies just need to be further along in their process before they put up a Kickstarter. Like some of these are like full-fledged companies and they shouldn't just be having prototypes. They should be almost, you know, in the works. And and if they're going to put on Kickstarter, then it should be fulfilling quicker. If they're getting upset that they can't go right away, then be further along in your process before you put it up. So it's like, boom, here it is. And then have it going out, you know, six months as opposed to a year later, right? Yeah, and, and I don't, it, and I, I'm with you that I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with, you know, come on and Peterson games and those companies who put them out on and on because they do fulfill. Sometimes they take a long time. Uh, I don't know if you, if you back the true, true Vang legends or not. No, not um, the, yeah, the I didn't either, but apparently uh, come on said, you know what? This game's no good. We're going we're gonna to start over. We'll deliver really? it in a year. Wow. Which uh, someone just sent me the update uh, a few months ago, but for me, like on the one hand, like, wow, that's horrible. But on the other hand, Thank you for not sending me crap for my, you know, $700 all in pledge. Right. So moving on to, to the next one. Yeah. And so you, you guys, I think play board game arena more than any other of the online uh, uh, game systems. And Asmodee is potentially ruining your favorite online game resource by buying board game arena. And what I want to know is how do we all feel about your pain? everyone should feel pretty bad i think so well just being said i did look into this uh well because some people may not asmoday has been going around buying tons of companies up and this is just yet another in the line of and there's been some problems coming up like the return policy is like if there's something missing from your game or a problem with your game they say too bad bring it back to your local store and so if you bought it online or secondhand or any of that you're just out of luck yeah well it's interesting because for a little bit it looked like um it was going the other directions because companies like Plaid Hat and somebody else also bought themselves out from under the Asmodee thumb. But I guess they needed that money so they could buy Board Game Arena. I don't know. Not sure. And then the other thing, the dismantling of uh, Fantasy Flight Games, we've seen what's going on with them. Their forms are now gone. They've lost Star Wars and all of the great tickets. They used to be one of the biggest players in the market. And then Asmodee comes in and says, well, we don't want you to be, I shouldn't say, because they, I don't know if they've said this. I'm like putting words in their Well, mouth. I mean, they're, they're French, I believe. So they w- wouldn't say that. I, I mean. suppose they would not say that. And, and it just looks like it's a, a systematic dismantling of, of, of what used to be a gigantic company, right? Yeah, and, and I think 
you know, and and when the first the, the board game arena purchase happened, it came through. I was like, oh, I was like, that's interesting, and I didn't, I didn't really think too much about it. But then uh, a gentleman from he works at the Leader Games, Marshall Britt, he also designs stuff on his own, and he was talking about how they have with the other company he works with have spent all this time and money to put their thing onto board game arena with the idea that this is going to be free for everyone and they're volunteering to do all this work and now i don't know the guy's name is cashing out on their labor and that to me was the interesting debate like well oh that's a good point i mean it's a lot of volunteer labor and now one dude's gonna make however much money he's making from asmodee i don't know well yeah that's the other thing is we've and i don't think we we realize how much we've put our money into one basket with board game geek right it's not in the video industry. I don't think if you're looking up video games or something, there's not one, I could be wrong. I'm not big into you know looking up what's coming up next in video games or, or talking about my favorite games. I don't think there is the one central place everyone goes to like Board Game Geek. And that is yet another private company owned by one person that could just simply be bought by someone. And now that then they would, I don't want to say gone, but you know, then it will drastically change. Yeah, the subscription. I, I will yeah. toss out, uh, uh, there's a rising one called Board Game Atlas, and they're you know they're not there yet, but you know it's a it's a less clunky interface if nothing else. So that's what one wanted to check out. I, I try to bounce back and forth between both of them. Part of it is for that exact same fear for the moment when you know, or I just assume the guy whoever runs is like ah I'm done, yeah. you know. Scott Eldon is his name. Yeah. Um, but so I guess the thing for me is what's going to happen with Board Game Arena? Like, is it going to get monetized? I know there's some monetization on it now, but like seriously monetized? Are there going to be more paywalls? Is it going to be like, what is it going to be? Sure, is it going to be like Tabletop Simulator where you pay it, you pay and now you have it forever? Or So I guess that's the real question is, is what's going to happen with that? How's Asmodee going to make their money off of it? Because clearly they think they can. I think it'll be something that'll take a while because I think you can pay for like a year in advance on, I'll have to look into it, but it'd be something that that is a contract with board game arena when you've given them money and you said, okay, here's my subscription for a year for this service. Then, you know, that still has to be, although a sale probably disallows, I'm not sure I'd have to look into it, but anyway, I'm sure it's going to be a slow transition into whatever they want to make it into. And I cannot see other companies wanting to give, their product to Asmodee to do with what they will. You know what I mean? I cannot see that happening. Yeah, I was speaking with um, a designer uh, specifically about this. Like, wow, it's kind of messed up. And, and he was talking about it. And he said, you know what? We'll probably still put our stuff up there because right now the eyes that that gets on your product and the e because Board Game Arena is really easy because it has all the automation and stuff in there. The eyes that it gets there and just making your, uh, highlighting your game is still worth it even if you are giving something over to the the evil empire that is i'm sure asmodee is full of lovely people i shouldn't say that but i, know, I, I hate talking but that's what we're here for right we're, we're that's here right to stir we're up here to slag off asmodee that's right but i think there's a game that just came out was a carnegie that did a great job they did that as well right they had the kickstarter and the game was available fully on board game arena right from the start i thought that was a great way to do it you know, so what are your thoughts on this? I, I am I am starting to be a believer that if you are serious about your game on Kickstarter or GameFound, you have to have it on one of these digital sources, whether that's Tabletopia, 
or simulator or arena or whatever the other ones are. I almost think you have to nowadays. Uh, what, what, what do you think? I, no, I'm agreeing with that too. And you have to have your rule book ready too. There was one, I watched a video that you did, the guy that did uh, Santorini, right? He's got it up on tabletop simulator, but I couldn't find the actual rule book anywhere, right? They could, you know, they had like, this is how you play, but it's like, okay, I'd like to see how this is worded. And I, unfortunately, I couldn't find it. You definitely have to have your rule, at least, you know, the draft rule book ready to go. These yeah, lists. so it's funny. So that, that rule book was uh, a word doc. <laughs> it was all words. I mean, thankfully there's, four steps in that game so it's not bad but yeah yeah that's a uh, that that's a perfect segue you are you have been doing this for a while because you segue like a mall cop you are amazing um but rule books why are they still bad well, this is what i get i don't understand i uh gonna name drop we 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 love cosmic frog we talked to jim felly and i proposed the same question to him i asked him you know so uh just so cosmic frog is a game that as soon as i can see human beings again i'm buying solely based on the description of the game exactly right i've listened to you guys talk about it. i don't know that i'm gonna like it but i want to have a giant stompy frog eating a planet that's right flying across the air in some crazy drop kick oh it's such a great game anyway Let's not gush about Cosmic Frog anymore. But anyway, I posed the same question to him. Like, I'm wondering, because we know, if people don't know this happened, designers get together and they show each other their ideas and they trade their, their games back and forth so they get feedback. And uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that designers put their books and games out to different playtest groups out of their circle. And I'm, I'm wondering, why are we still getting bad rule books? Are people afraid to tell the designer that he's got something wrong, that they have to change it? Are they afraid that they'll be uh, not get the next copy of the game? Will they be pushed out of this playtest circle? Will they be frowned upon? Like, who are they to tell this designer that they've got it wrong? You know what I mean, is there some resistance to, you know, standing up and telling? I just don't understand yeah, I it. As near as I can tell is the... So it's tough. So like, well, usually when I get you know a thing, it will, they'll often say very clearly, say, "Hey, the, the rule book's not ready. It's not. It's not done." You know, and so that 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 often is kind of the. Well, I'm not going to rip your rule book when you're literally telling me it's not done. Um, I, ha I have once or twice. I did have have one video where I said, "You know what? This rule book made me feel like I was stupid." I have no idea how to play this game, um, but I feel like what happens most often is they're not going outside of the people who know the game to get that rules feedback. Because when you intricately know or intimately know what the rules are, if it's not totally clear, you're not going to see that it's not clear because you know how it works. But if you have no idea, then then it becomes not clear. And I, I think it's a lack of getting people in to do that. And I I, I think more people should get those rulebook editors because rulebook editors are amazing. And yep. uh, hey, well, one of your fellow Canadians, uh, uh, Jay uh, Cormier, who did, um, oh, now he did, his latest one was a mind management. Very, very, very cool game. I had one of the best rulebooks I'd ever seen in my life. And I, I commented on it. I said, oh, I hired a rulebook editor. And he did it because he had sent it out and, and some reviewers, what he thought were super clear rules, we're just playing the game straight up wrong. Yeah. He's like, so what are you doing? Like, That's not right. Because well, it, it, it says right here. Um, but I, I think people don't like to do that because it's an additional cost. 
yeah, or the time. I was thinking time, but I've seen some other designers do it as well, where they've just set a camera up on the table and and put the rule book down on the game and said, "There, go play it." Because sometimes, you know, they they not that they have a lot to do. You know, they're a big time designer, blah, blah blah. But you know, they just have you know they can't just sit and they're tired of playing their game over and over again as well, right? And they just want to explain how the game is played and watch people play it or have fun playing it. Sometimes they're that interject. I just want you to show you how great this game is, but you know, sometimes, you know, here's the camera, here's the rules, play it, and then go back and watch the video, you know, when you have time and just see where they're having trouble. Because both Mark and I did, uh, like, long time ago, do work with rule books. And sometimes I, I feel bad when I see a Kickstarter update, they'll say, you know, well, you know, here's the finished rule book, you know, look at it and find errors. And I said, okay, I got to remember, you know, go back and take a look at it, maybe, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I was like, oh, I don't have time to go through that. And then the actual rule book comes, and I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> yeah and then and, and and so what i'm hearing here is it's your fault no it's not my fault because but... had you volunteered to fix their thing they would be game of the year they would be wingspan but instead they are not game of the year wingspan yes there, there was one thing recently uh, it was uh catacombs i i did look at they they said here's the finished rule book i'm looking at it. it's like right off the beginning it's okay where where's the intro there was like literally no no fluff at the beginning and i'm just saying no you cannot do that that's not allowed you need to have why why are we playing this like why what are we doing here you can't just go right into the rules and 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 they changed it so it was great so you have power no i don't have power. that was before i was anybody not that I'm anybody now, Jesus, but um, no, 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 no. I'm editing that that that, oh, little, do not uh, edit that qualifier out. You know, that was before <laughs> I was anybody. Yes, I That's am. B- before somebody. I did any reviews. Uh, but but uh, to answer the other question, I mean, there there have been uh, companies that I know are never sending me something again because I wasn't glowing about you know their, their game. Actually, one that that just funded it was a lovely long, not long, but back and forth. Where he kept saying, "Well, yeah, well, I need you to give me a quote." I'm like, "Here you go." He's like, "No, no, no, I need you to give me a quote." I'm like, "Well, that 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 that's a quote. It's like, those are words that I said, and you put them in quotes." Right. He's like, "Yeah, but you didn't say say it's a lot of fun." I'm like, "Well, <laughs> enough said. Hot garbage. <laughs> put it in quotation marks yeah, on know. the box." Yeah, it's like, uh, it, it, and I think, uh, I mean, it, I think a lot of times um, publishers are aware that they don't necessarily go and watch the type of content that people are creating because there's plenty of people out there that are just going to talk about what they like about it um and you can find those but don't send a game to you and mark if they're afraid of someone saying what doesn't work because even in the games you love like cosmic frog there's a lot of stuff you said is hot garbage about it um i shouldn't say hot garbage but you you know yeah that could that could work a different way or, or you know is the fiddly bit yes the the, the fiddly bits and the frogs yeah. eat the hot garbage which is why it has to be there yeah, that's right because they can't feed otherwise but uh but to, to answer to the other point i do think there probably is a little bit of the people scared of being pushed out of that 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 bubble right because the more important the designer or the company is the easier it is for them to say okay i'll just get somebody else because there's always going to be, you know, a, I actually don't have any Eric Lang game. So he's just the biggest name I can think of, but there will always be someone who will say, I can play test an Eric Lang game. Yes, I'm there. Yeah. Um, or I can get a game before anybody else can. Oh yeah. For sure. Bring, give it, give it, give, give, give it. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I won't lie that that's part 
so the reason I started doing previews is one because that's the easiest way to get content because people need stuff. You know, I mean, some of the, some of the first games that I got, if you go way back, there's one of those called Punching Babies. It was about baby boxers. It didn't. It didn't shock. It did not succeed. But you know, like you used to say, that's yes, very compelling. Yeah, but but there is something to that. Have getting to play the stuff before anyone else, and that, that's for on my end. That's part of the. That is part of the fun. And then for if the company's good and quality, to then see how the game grows from there. Um, one of the earlier videos I did that was a big hit was with Merchant's Cove, and I've gotten to see how that's progressed from what was already a very good game to something I think is fantastic. But that is fun with the previews to be able to kind of kind of see that. And what happens then is then I get to, you know, some games that you get passionate about, right? There's lots of games that are good, but you don't, you're not passionate about them. But then you can kind of go back and then create, more, you know, I, I, can set, I, can set, I can set up Merchant's Cove and play that any day and people will get excited about a post I make about it. And so, so there is that to it. And then to, if you're someone who's just a play tester, just a play tester, because we're so important as reviewers, right? Um, <laughs> to then lose that, I could see that being really, really hard and to be able to be willing to make that negative feedback might be tough, which is weird because telling someone that their rule book doesn't make any sense is not your game sucks. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, if you want your game to succeed or, you know, not have problems, then this is what you should do. Yeah, it remind, when you were talking, that reminded me of another point I wanted to make earlier about, about uh, doing preview videos. And I don't know if this is a line or if this is something that makes sense. It's like, do you, do you want your content to be for the companies or do you want your content to be for the community, right? And you can look at it, those two. I don't know if that's a line or two ways to look at it, but it's sort of a, you know, a way to, to sort of suss it out. Are you, know, are you, yeah, who are you, who are you I, trying to help exactly? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I think that goes back to the, uh, are you a hype video? Again, I don't have a problem yeah. with hype videos or because if you, your hype video, that is significantly more for the company. I do think a, a good review or preview is that is good for the company because truly, you know, because you don't want someone to get your game that's going to hate it and then go on Reddit or whatever and, and, and rip it. That's not going to be good for you. But the unpaid but, content, I think, is more for the audience. Like, I listen to you guys because I know I can listen to what you say and I can evaluate, okay, yeah, I'm going to like that. And Jim Felly's not paying you in frog dollars to say you love it, to influence me to, you know, get that game. And, and, and I think that comes to, is, I think that that's really the, the difference. It's when money becomes involved, it becomes hard to differentiate. True. I do really want to go back though. Do you think that the companies are worried about after the fact or, or because we, I don't because people are getting such a big turnover all the time of new games. Do you think they are actually worried about what they're going to say on Reddit after the fact? Because they've already got the big, you know, before it gets out there, they've already got the big flux and they're already on their next project. They don't, you know, they're done with that. They're on to the next thing. So do they, do they care about the fallout after the fact? I, I think, I think they must a little bit, because I'm sure every company is chasing that evergreen game, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, everyone wants that because if they can, you know, if, if you can get a ticket to ride, you're just going to print money over and over again. So, so I, I think that it is there. But I, you know, I think about well, I think about Stonemaier Games and, and Pendulum, like that. That game just got trashed afterwards. And 
tapestry was lukewarm. And uh, what was the one before that? Was it Wingspan before tapestry? Yeah. Okay, so well, well Wingspan got yeah. well is the game of all time. But you know that's two two games in a row for them that have not gotten great press. And the way that they came out with Pendulum Love, you know, was the highest rated game. I even interviewed uh, Jamie and we talked about it, the highest rated game he's ever had at his design day. And it's kind of, it was kind of a flop. Yeah, it was, it's, it's, it was, such, I think it was such a niche thing. That people yeah, the people who that... really like it, really like yeah, it. Exactly. I just don't know many people who really like it. Yeah. Um, I think the miss for that was solo and yes. two player. Three, 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 three players plus, I bet that game is a good time. But solo and two players, no, it's not. Mm-mm. No. Actually, Pendulum ties into another game I want to talk to earlier. Did you ever get a chance to play Blackout Hong Kong? No, I have sort of thing. Yeah, okay. Well, that's another game that, you know, like when it was announced, huge hype. When it came out, huge hype, and then disappeared. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was, I, we played it, and we thought it was great. We don't understand. There was like one segment of the game that was really dull and sort of, you know, bogged it down. But other than that, I don't know why it just disappeared. Or maybe it was just in our circle. If you heard anyone talking about it? I, I've heard you guys talk about it. I think that's literally it. I think... But so I think there's something there because I think of the Red Rising is a flop. Like I think it, it's not going to kill Stonemaier. Like it's not going to kill Stonemaier. They're a big deal. But then people are really going to be saying, "Well, I'm not. I'll wait and see how their next one is." I suppose Wingspan was so big, though. I wonder. But Wingspan wasn't a like they their their last actual Kickstarter they did was Scythe, right? And I'm wondering, can you think of? Other than, you know, Gloomhaven, obviously, number one was a Kickstarter, but like what else is in the top 10 that was a Kickstarter, right? I'm just wondering when are the Kickstarters going to start hitting that, you know, those big marks, right? I know Gugong's up there, but still, there's not very many, right? Yeah, yeah that's a, well, it, it's tough because, you know, Kickstarter is such a, uh, what have you done for me lately thing. I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's actually one of the things we talked about a, a few episodes ago, the, the, the kind of the cult of the new, like, I got to get the new stuff, but like you know, I got I got games back here that are older that I think are fantastic, but I'm still gonna go check out that Kickstarter and get the new thing. So it's only gonna be the truly transcendent games, you know, the Gloomhavens that just grab everybody that that are gonna make that list at least right now. Because you know, five years from now, how many games in the top 100 on BGG? might have started as a Kickstarter. And they have to be successful enough to just, so they can just do a reprint, like without another Kickstarter. So, you know, if uh, Breaking Games keeps doing reprints of the Dwellings of Elderbale, that might wind up being on there because, you, you know, people are frothing at the at the mouth to get a, get a copy of that. Yeah, I'm also wondering why Terraforming Mars, the new card game, I wonder why they even put that on Kickstarter. Because I think they would have got enough advertising without it going up there you know what i mean giving the kickstarter a cut of that money was seems odd to me anyway yeah maybe yeah i don't know That's a good i can question. see why they i can see why they did the big box right because there's a lot of visuals there you wanted to see what these 3d tiles look like and there was a bunch of add-ons there but this is just a straight up single game right I don't, i'm not sure why yeah i bet maybe dear as i can my only thought is you know let's say it just wasn't in the budget yeah, you know, it was a decision. You know, I was like, you know, oh yeah, we should do this. Ah, Kickstarter it, but it's also very safe for a, uh, that's that's renegade. Is that renegade? Who does that? No, it's stronghold. A stronghold, stronghold. You know, that they're, they're a big enough deal, and the terraforming Mars brand is a big enough deal that they could have thrown up just a picture that said terraforming Mars expansion exactly. or whatever. This, this is what I mean. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems odd. 
So it's no, no, you know, if I can get, get that money now and just turn it into a pre-order, I guess, why not? Okay, as promised, I am back. So both of us talked about what it was that annoys us the most when it comes to the kind of the social media presence that reviewers have and kind of have to have. And we actually both lined up with what bothers us the most is when other creators will show up on a video that we've posted or uh, an article or whatever it is and just <laughs> dump their links into the comments of whatever that we've put up say, oh, I need something too. And we also both came to the same conclusion that it's not that we don't want to share. It's that it's when it's just kind of dropped in there, like, oh, I'm going to tag onto your coattails here so people come look at my stuff. We actually both are all about it when if there's a, a discussion kind of back and forth and you come in. So the example I used was if Walker posts a video of an unboxing he's done and I played it. And then maybe so I jump into the comments and I talk about it back and forth and we have a conversation and then maybe say, you know what, and I also did a review. These are my thoughts on it, if that kind of comes up naturally. So anyhow, there you go. That is the butt nugget answer that we totally forgot about. Walker was way funnier than I am about it, but there you have it. Don't worry. We didn't name names because we're not trying to shame people. We just want to talk about some of the stuff that kind of gets our goat a little bit. All right. Back to the past. But we made you, we made everybody sit through an hour of things falling off of Walker's wall and my windows breaking Smashing. and speed whacking destruction back there. So we could talk about the game that surprised me the most of all last year. And no one ever wants to talk about it with me. Court of Miracles. It's a fantastic game. So when you guys talked about it on your show, I was worried because you guys were only saying nice things about it. And I was like, Maybe I'm wrong because they like, I like this game. But then, then your partner in crime had something bad to say. I was like, oh, good. I feel, I feel okay. So people who don't know, it is the lightest of area control games. And area control is really barely the right word. Yeah, it's, I, I, was, I was throwing things in like worker placement, you could call it. You could call it deck building, really, because those chits that you're building, they're in your hand, really. They could be just cards that you're placing down and you get to modify it almost like as well because you get to, you know, the one that's set aside and you're sort of digging out random ones. So it's sort of like deck building. It's got this fantastic theme, right? It's it's And it's historical, right? It's the Court of Miracles is this place where uh, it's a, you know, not necessarily 100% accurate place where thieves would go to hide from, you know, French authorities. And so you're almost like uh, all these different gangs in France of, of beggars and you're sort of trying to keep your territory from everybody else. And Yeah, it's very much a, a Dickensian kind of era. Just, it, you know, you're, you're drinking wine off the street when it spills kind of beggars. I mean, it's, it's horrible. And even that comes through because when you replace a worker, you literally throw the other one in the river. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, you've, you've, you've done us well. It's time to retire to, to your summer home. Off you go. Yes. You, you, remember your friend that you said you missed? Well, there he is. Um, but yeah, I, um, it's a game that I, I literally, I, I had the chance to, to review it. And I literally said, yes, I want to review that because I thought the board was cool. Sometimes yeah. I'm tired. I've heard you say that. I even have it out here just to show people because that's exactly why I bought it was because <laughs> this board is amazing. Like, look, at we don't need square boards anymore. We get these cool boards of it any shape like that you want. It looks like Millennium Falcon. <laughs> we, did, when, when we did actually 
did you did you watch the playthrough? Because that's exactly what one of our players oh, said. Oh no, I didn't know you yeah. did a playthrough. Yeah, I've been there live taunting. Yeah, we did a playthrough just last week, and even one of the players that I didn't even notice at first, he said, "Oh, we should retheme the Star Wars." You know, it's the Millennium Falcon, and sure enough, it is very much like the Millennium Falcon. I, I think what is it, what really works about it for me. I mean, it's it's a hyper aggressive game. It's hyper aggressive, which I don't always like, but it's over so quickly. Like I don't have time to really get mad at you because we're done. We can, we right. can set it back up, and and something about the the the, the blind bidding almost that that you're doing as you're putting the the workers out is just so much fun because as you're throwing your workers in the send, then I not only do I not know what you put down, but I don't even know what you have. That's right. Anymore. And it's always really close. It's not like one of these games where you like a cosmic encounter where you have like, now I play this card that adds like 200 to my total. And now you have two and I have 3000, right? It's always really close and you should, and you're not sure. And you look over there and it's like, Oh, I might win that. Let's go for it. I love that part of it. And, and the, uh, uh, and e even the one uh, worker that you can get that does it, that the swordsman, right? You can pay two coins for three power. Two coins is a lot in this game. Um, and, and I think that the resource uh, uh, management in the game is very, very clever because you can win the game without controlling any territory if you can get enough money. That's right. Which, again, I think hits that theme really well because, all right, well, you, you do you. I'm just going to be here with my money <laughs> winning, you know. Yeah. I, it's like, and there's so many different combos you can get. The decision space is huge. When it's like your turn, you can, you're, you're trying to figure out what bonuses to take because every time you go to a space, not only you get to the bonus of the space, but it's like the neighborhood bonus as well. And then you sort of, sort of have to offset that with uh, who owns that particular territory because he's going to get money, right? And then uh, you got to know the king that goes around the board. You have to know where he is because you could trigger him twice so that and then the cards that you play right so it's you play the space which might trigger another action which lets you play the card which moves the king which triggers another action and it's all this you know huge combos that can take place that make this game really awesome and 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 sometimes dumbfounding combos because you can even go the right you can trigger the king make him move and then go buy the space which makes him move twice more and then suddenly everyone's like no what are you doing my plans that's right. You know, Ruined. you said get in the river. Um, <laughs> get in the river. <laughs> it's so good. I, and so, but we do have to talk about some things that are bad about it. We can't just totally gush and say how great it is. I'm not sure how you're, well, I was, I'm interested to know how your games finish. Like, do you have this fiddly thing that happens at the end? Yeah. So, well, one, one for, for the, the full disclosure for, for every, for anybody who hasn't watched, like it, 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 it was one of my tied for my game of the year last year. I love it. I even ordered, I didn't know it was from Russia. It took like a month. I was like, well, that money's gone. I even ordered a little beggar dude and I painted him to replace oh, my painless king. king. Nice. Like, you know, I, 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 got, I got a problem <laughs> with this one. But uh, I think there is a little bit of wonkiness because there are a couple of cards that are useless in game. And I, I, I'm thinking of, uh, what am I thinking? Well, some of the ones that allow you to move your influence onto the board. Right. which is a very powerful card in the early game because then you're able to buy very cheaply multiple times and you know keep moving your influence out but those cards you just if you wind up if your play is i need a card and that's what you draw you're like uh well, it did yeah. almost play out in our last game because there's a card that lets you remove uh control of a of a neighborhood and gets you a whole bunch of money mm -hmm. so that had just happened 
And it was going to be one of these combos where I had to actually look in the rule book because you are actually allowed to move it off of the, of the scoring mechanism. Like as long as it's in play, it doesn't mean in one of the neighborhoods, you can move it right off of what you just scored, i.e. the $4 space, move that in, go back in and only pay $4 and get that again. Oh, so I'm it, totally winning next time I play. I, I didn't know, realize right? that. I know. But like you said, it's so rare that you're going to get an open neighborhood near end game. And why it's a problem in game, just so people who haven't played it before, you need to get these six, eight, six, no, six, six renowned tokens out on the board. And they're very visible. So you can just look around the board and say, well, they're almost winning. So you can just take a neighborhood from somebody and then now they're back to having two, right? So there's a good way to balance the game out. So getting that finishing blow, I think is really hard. And that's where the game a little bit breaks down near the end. Yeah, the... um. Uh, it, it's an interesting thing because what what I find often happens with that is when it, because you, I mean, you know, that's going to happen. If you're playing a large game, like if I get close, I know that you, you guys are going to team up and try to stop me because that's, well, that's what you do in these games. That's kind of the balancing. So then you begin pushing the end. You start everything. You, oh, painless King, he moves, painless King, he moves, he moves. And you're just trying to, to rush that, that end of the game, which makes it for an interesting uh, dynamic there, I, I, I think. Um, so I haven't had that happen too much. Maybe it's because oh, I've um, never seen that rush, but we've never finished the game by the penniless king going to the end. Oh, it's always, okay, it's yes, always so I, been that, by that, six. That um, a, a few times, um, and it's always for, for well, for my money, it is so tense because when you're finishing, when you're pushing the end of the game with the king, it's really anybody's game because you can get a, you know, two renowned token swing fairly easily with the space where you buy stuff yeah i see um, that now what you're talking about because there is that sort of lull right it's like everyone gets up to only having two tokens left and there's that back and forth where you're you know making sure everyone stays balanced and then i can see what you're talking about you push it right to the end and then now you don't need to get both out you only need to get one out and everybody still i can see what you're saying now i'm wondering if yeah i'm gonna have to try that yeah it's an interesting uh, strategy so my, my my big issue that i have with the game is is it's a very different game if you play two player. You can run away with it in two player, which, but I find that happens with with a lot of this style of, of game. Um, another area control game that that I adore that's coming to Kickstarter soon is called a game called Theurgy, which is fantastic, one of the best area control games I've ever played. But a two player, you can get waxed, and you just can't catch up. And yeah. you know, there, there is no catch up mechanism, which is fine. So I, I think it struggles a little more at, at two. You really need three for it really to pop i think yeah i agree i 100 agree like we had a session that was going to be three and i forced a player to come in just because i just think it just plays stronger at four i haven't played at five yet and that was another bonus i was going to talk about the fact that not that there there are tons of mark you this is a, a contention about i know there are tons of good five player games but i i feel as though the majority of games now just play towards the four player so having yet another really good game that plays well at five not only does it, you know, it's just sort of okay, you know, it goes to five, but, you know, uh, this just plays better at the more mm -hmm. players when you go to max. Yeah, th this game, I, I think, does play better with more. And actually, I'm going to toot my own horn here, only because it got, it's gotten the official approval of Lucky Duck Games. I, li I like the game so much, I actually designed a bot for it. You just roll three dice. That's it. That's all you got to do. And I've started throwing that into games of two players. And I played that game so many times last year because I'm like, I got 20 minutes. 
I got dice. Let's do it. But the thing for me is, it's not that this thing exists, but that I like the game so much I felt obliged to do it. You know? Yeah, there was a problem with this game that I love and I want to fix it. And it's a simple enough game that I can do it. Because, you know, uh, uh, Rising Sun, I'm not designing yeah. anything for. No, this is like this is like an eight-page rule book, and the writing is like you know an inch high. It's dead simple to teach and zero setup. And there is a couple other issues that you know we should hit on is the fact that the apparently the European copies, the tokens that push into all the counters were a little too big, so they were hard to put in. And with our with our with our North American copies, they're a little small, and so they sort of like rattle around inside. So when you're like flipping over everyone's token to see, you know, who has the strength, you know, they don't usually stay in. But you know, well, we just had to breed them. That's right. Yeah, I think if you put if you get a European copy and put it next to an American copy, and you know, a few months. That's right. They'll, they'll just merge. It'll be equal. Yeah, yeah. I I I think that's how science works. I I'm I got some. I'll got I'll get a guy on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But you know, I, I don't. It's tough because I I don't. I really don't have a lot of negative to say about it, especially because my expectations were non-existent. Yes. Agreed. Um, we bought it because it had a cool board and then it showed up and it was a great game. So it's just win-win. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, the, the only thing that the only thing that I can think of is that I, is, is my wish list, right? One for the record, I would absolutely get deluxified co- components for this bunch of metal, little metal coins and, yeah. you know, some like acrylic things to drop in. Like, yes. And like I said, a cool where you slide the disc in, to your like your piece so they all stays locked together and you know none of this jiggling around stuff exactly yeah i, I think oh that'd be but uh that's it. the only thing that i wish was there is something that would attach the different factions somehow you know because gotcha. you like they have their the their, their, uh, good fluff history of you know who they are you're playing the prostitutes guild you're playing the the, the orphan thieves or or the, the soldiers or the people that pretend that they use their their soldiers and they got injured in the war but they're really not yeah it's such great great theme yeah, yeah. you know and and so the solution that that you know i came with is we, we will just sometimes just start with a different starting loadout you know if you're the the uh you know the soldiers one you get to start with the cell sword or if you are the orphans you start with the the, the, the pickpocket or you know like whatever but i think if there was something to that, that would just be completely unnecessary. Yeah. But just, yeah. you know, uh, get tied, a with that, that, that root flavor. Yeah, know? tied the factions to the board. Well, that, that yeah. was going to be one of my last points, is the fact that this game is so open to expansions, right? You just easily get a box that has a whole bunch of more, you know, tokens you could put in the bag or a little piece of board that you'll put over the major scoring, you know, thing that, changes up the money and the bonuses that you get and yeah, so you can go diving in the send for the bodies and sell them to the yeah stuff you know, like the, that the, and, the, and and exactly like you said stuff that you know when you add more tokens then you can give each faction a different you know starting set so i'm hoping that too bad it didn't do as well as it should maybe it did I, i'm not sure i didn't really but i don't hear anyone talking about no, it i i think it did well in europe is, is my understanding is it did it did pretty well in europe which is why they brought it into english so, so maybe, and there's space in the box. That's the other thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. Totally side note. I hate, exp- I love expansions so much, but I hate expansions because I hate putting another box on the shelf so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am, I am that person. If the expansion doesn't fit in the main box, then it's a problem. Uh, but unlike your cohort, I also don't necessarily like big boxes either. 
because they're big. Um, like, I, I just got rid of the uh, uh, um, Anachrony Infinity Box. Um, sold it off. Not because I didn't like it. I actually thought it was quite, quite a good game. But when I was looking through, the box is so big. And I was like, okay, I can think of four other Euro games that I would play before this out you know yeah. but you know something like quarter miracles is a tiny little box so okay you know that 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 could stay so but but point is lucky duck games give us an expansion that can just fit in the same box is what is what we're saying yeah and then that's the other thing this was I, this was a 2019 game not even a 2020 game oh wow well to 2020 according, in, in English, according really, to you know. according to you know board game geek i think for north america it was 2020 yeah i, I think the the french version came out in uh, uh 2019 i think the other thing with big boxes, I was going to say this when you were talking about Root, is that Root is almost getting to the same problem. It's like when you open the box, it's like, okay, well, what expansions or what are we going to play with now? And how does this work again? And it's like, okay, well, put the lid back on and we'll grab this other game instead. Well, you know, I think that's an interesting, I feel like someone should be doing a channel solely based on that. Despite that there is this much crap in this box, I'm still willing to play it, you know? Because yeah. I think about that, like, you, 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 you know, what, what game has the most amount of junk, but you're still willing to go through it all to set it up because you like it that much? Um, almost every uh, dungeon crawler has that, right? Descent and or Imperial Assault or Gloomhaven, you know, for that matter. Oh my right? gosh, so the best thing we ever did was I, I kept the box at my house. It was my friend's. And we play it at, at our house and we'd make dinner, but he had to set it up and put it away. That was the deal. That's the that's a good deal. And three years of playing the game, all those dinners, I still feel like we came out on the winning end. And Converna is a big, a big offender of that as well, right? Such a huge setup. And what well, good news, you have another expansion. Game. I know, yet another expansion. So it'll be fantastic. You're going to love it. I feel like we are, we are, we have come down to the end of it. Unfortunately, for people looking for us to slag off Quarter Miracles, we did not do it at all. I didn't bring up the port that was just like Hansa Teutonica either. Is it? I've never played Hans of Chitano. Oh, no. It's, it's just like the competition over roots and the fact that you get, you know, different bonuses. For it's like Mage Knight, right? Is right? Just like Mage Knight. Exactly. Okay, you're, you're welcome. Uh, you know, I, I threw that in there just for you, <laughs> which I've never played. Every time really? I think about getting Mage Knight, I go and I'll look at the rules or I'll look at something. I'm like, I just, I can't do it. I'm waiting, you know, and then then supposedly they're coming out with an app version. I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll play that on an app. Oh, yeah, true enough, yeah. Especially yeah. if you do solo gaming, then mage knight is for you oh well you know it, it is a big big thing that, that I, I do a, a lot a lot of solo gaming and a lot of cooperative stuff the, the cooperative is more because um my wife prefers cooperative stuff uh you know she likes the let, let, let's beat the game together because if we play head-to-head -head games it's uh it's it's cutthroat like it's yeah it gets it's too cutthroat. personal yeah yeah, have like you, have you done Shadow Rift yet? We're playing Shadow Rift tomorrow, and that's I, I have. I, I play. I actually one of the first reviews I did when I started. I just wrote, wrote a review on BGG, um, very first ones. That is a game that to me is one hundred percent fine. Yeah, yeah. Just I, I I don't have really anything to complain about with it. And let me tell you, the artwork on it. If that was a, if this was the early two thousands, that's a video game I would play the heck out of. Like yeah. the art on that box and everything. Yeah, it's good. Now, to be fair, I have not played it with the new Goblin Exploding guys. Well, that's what I mean. That's I've got that expansion so long ago, and we just have never had time or you know, lockdown. And finally, 
we get to pull it out tomorrow and try and you know play this new expansion that's been sitting there. And you guys are going to stream, or you're just going to go for it? No, we're just playing it. We just, just it. we just do Saturdays now. We do. Oh, can we like kind of flog it? Yeah, we do. Every Saturday we try to do a live stream. Yeah, Shadow Rift. Shadow Rift's a fun one. Um, not it's not not my favorite deck builder. No, um, no, no. By far, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not the one that comes together best. But I mean, just as I thought, it was just a rare one that I thought maybe you hadn't tried yet. That's all. Oh no, that that one I tried. Well, the. Uh, my my favorite rare one is a uh, uh, battle for Greyport. As far as deck builders go, it's set in the uh, set in the Red Dragon Inn world, but it's it's just a straight up cooperative deck builder with a with a little bit of dice rolling. You know, I think that that's a high game's hard as heck, but just a fantastic one. Um, and uh, yeah, so that we, we right around the time I got that, we actually did a whole day. Me and my buddies were like, all right, we're doing deck builder day. We're gonna find out which ones are good, and. I think we played five of them, and I only remember Shadow Rift and Greyport. The only ones I remember. So those are the only ones that, that kind of stood out from the. You must not played Xeno Shift then. I have it on my iPad. I have it on my iPad. Uh, it's a little clunky, but yeah. Uh, well, l- l- little's a word. Yeah, um, little's a word. <laughs> uh, but c- comparatively, a little clunky when other apps move so slowly. Yeah, I, I think. Um, well, you want a slow-moving app? Check out the Viticulture app. Oh my gosh, that like I actually had took a turn on the video. I sped it up at like three times speed, and it was still thirty seconds of just going through the slowest thing I've ever played in my life. But I feel like Xeno Shift is one that uh, I bet that's a lot of fun with multiple people at the table. Oh yeah, Not, training around equipment and helping people, you know, their lines, you know, falling apart and you like throw cards in there to help them out. It's a great, it's a great little game. Yeah, it's no fun. It's, it's not the app. one either people love it or hate it, but. Not, 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 not app worthy, not app worthy, but we're now, it's late for you. I apologize for keeping you, keeping you running along, huh? That's all right. And if we go too much longer, more stuff's going to fall down. Yes. Behind you. Uh, it's only half of it's gone now. <laughs> this is what happens when you put stuff up too early. Yeah, it, and the good news is the the crinkling has almost stopped over there with my wall. Yeah, maybe you should contact the the lawn mowing company. Maybe they'll step in and help you out with that. Oh yeah, no, the the, the, the guy said he's going to cover it. Uh, so no, no, it's all, it's all going to be good. But I just uh, I love the the young guys. Like, did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. No, my window just you know spontaneously cracks all the time. But anyhow, I appreciate you you t- taking the time, come come coming on. And the big question is, what words of gaming wisdom do you want to leave us with? I gaming mean, this needs wisdom. to be like the stuff that can go on the poster with like, you know, the cat hanging. Behind Don't you. play hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, well, just just be, be aware of the people around you. Remember, that's what it's all about is the people that you play with and be aware that, you know, they're taking time out of their day, you know, to play games with you as well. You got to remember that. Uh, everyone has it hard at home and sometimes this is their only chance to get out there and have fun this is their their one hour of the week so just try to keep that in mind and, and try to keep it enjoyable for them I know you're there to have fun as well and it's not you might think it's not your job to have fun but it, you know everyone's there to have a good time and you got to remember that you know maybe this is the one time this person gets to play a game this month never mind this week and uh, everybody you will be able to find down in the description a link to how you can get everything so very wrong about games uh michael walker thank you for joining us 
for this episode. Everybody else, if you enjoyed it, go check out their stuff. You know how to find what we do here. Like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And thank you so very much for watching. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Peace. Oh, I got a piece. All right. So now that we only have the dulcet tones of the slowly cracking glass, that's all we got. As it inches its way melodiously across the pane. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'm almost hoping that while we're talking, it just goes and just totally crumbles. Something with the border. Canada's not letting sound through. I was about to say, uh, it takes a long time to. You know, we, we, we have high tech stuff on this side of the border. <laughs> That's right. Well, we're still, you know, etching sound waves into bone over here. So. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I can only assume that your uh, headset is connected to a can on a string. Yes, exactly. That's my shtick. You know, Mark's uh, the articulate one. I'm the one that just sits in the corner. <laughs> you just babbled. Let's hear from the everyday gamer. <laughs>